Hi, and welcome to the second episode of They Stopped in Time, a podcast run by the Young Persons Subcommittee of Alcoholics Anonymous. In this episode, we're going to talk about sober dating. Whether this topic fills you with dread or sounds like your idea of sober fun, this is the episode for you. And that's not all we have lined up in today's episode. We're going to talk about the last Young Persons Roadshow that took place in Cardiff in April, as well as hearing a fabulous main chair from one of our guests, Chloe. And we're also going to then dive into the topic that I uh, mentioned at the start, dating, what's not to enjoy. So going to kick off um, just by introducing everyone. So one by one, um, would you like to come in, say who you are, how long you've been sober, your service positions in AA, and a cool fact about yourself. So um, I'll call people out. Chloe, would you like to go first? Goodness me, right? Yes. Hi, I'm Chloe. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I got sober on the 11th of October 2021, uh, which quick maths makes me just over a year and a half sober now. Um, I am the Young Persons Liaisons Officer for Manchester, which is fantastic. Um, And a cool fact about myself, um, I'm actually quite proud of this one. I've started roller skating recently. Um, that's my little hobby at the moment and it brings me great joy. So that's my little sober fun fact about myself. Nice. Uh, Craig? Hello everyone. So my name's Craig. I'm an alcoholic. Sobriety date is May 2011. Um, I'm currently one of the Young Persons Subcommittee members. Um, we do service uh, on a national level. Um, and interesting fact, I have completed the Three Peaks Challenge. Fabulous. And Alex, would you like to go next? Yeah, my name's Alex, I'm an alcoholic. Um, I am, my sobriety date is the 20th of April 2017, um, which makes me six years sober um, and a bit. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm the young person's liaison officer for Liverpool. Um yeah. Oh oh fun fact. Um I've got one less organ than most people in my body. That is a is good fact. Wanna... <laughs> yeah, of course I wanna know. Um it's my gallbladder. Yeah, you can live perfectly normal life without it. Yeah. Good fact, good fact. And uh quickly, I'm Michael, I'm an alcoholic. I got sober on the twenty-fifth of September twenty seventeen. Um my service position is I'm a young person subcommittee member alongside Craig and, and other people and fun fact about myself uh, I have a daughter and I've got another daughter on the way who will be born on a month before my other daughter's first birthday so gonna have two very young daughters in a very short space of time um and I'll have no time left after that, I think, is is the general gist I'm getting. Um, so, yeah, I said we'd start off by talking about the Cardiff Roadshow that took place in April. Um, everyone on this call, funnily enough, uh, was at Cardiff, either as an organiser or someone that came along to learn from other young people doing service. So uh, to kick us off, Craig, uh, can you just remind people why we run these events and what kind of things took place on the deck? Absolutely. So this was our third roadshow, the first one being in Winchester in November 2019. The second one was in Leeds in November 2021. And then most recently in Cardiff uh, back in April of this year. So the purpose of the roadshow is to help facilitate AA members to carry the message to the alcoholic that still suffers. 
So I was in Cardiff. Um, the attendance was great. Uh, there was a real heartbeat to the event. Um, for people that don't know what a roadshow is, I suppose it's very similar to like an AA convention uh, or a one-day conference. Um, but rather than people talking about themselves, people talk about the service that they are doing in their area. And um, I'm pleased to report that there's some exciting young persons projects taking place across the country in respective intergroups and regions. And this was demonstrated in their presentations on the day. Um, and just from a personal point of view, sometimes I can get a bit bogged down in the AA where I live and get a little bit cynical about the service and, you know, the people doing the service or the service not being done. Um, so to see some of the great work taking place in different parts of the country, I personally found inspiring. Um, so that was that was that was a good thing. And it's not just service for service sake. Um, you know, there's people doing some tactful service. You know, there's people that are mindful about costs and uh, AA's money, uh, which is really encouraging. So I've I felt that the projects going on there. Uh, and the money that's being used is, is being spent wisely, basically. Um, so we had current serving YPLOs and regional YPLOs in attendance. We also had some people that were just thinking about taking on the role at maybe their local intergroup. Uh, we was able to give them the information about the drop-in sessions that we do. Um, and it was very interactive and productive. Um, we had a good session uh, on starting a young person's meeting in your local area uh, and people were able to share from experience what's going well, the mistakes that um, that have been made as well, which was actually useful. Obviously there's, you know, teething problems that can take place in starting a new young person's group. Um, we shared the familiar tools, including the starter pack, uh, which a lot of YPLOs report is useful. Um, and um, lots of YPLOs are forming their own subcommittees in their respective areas and delegating a lot of work to um, volunteers, which means more services getting done. And yeah, the usual camaraderie and, and the fellowship that takes place um, at a physical roadshow, exchanging contact details to assist each other um, with respective service. And yeah, finally, um, my feeling is that young persons service in Great Britain is very much alive and kicking. Uh, there's no better place or, or time, rather, uh, to get involved um, in young people's service, either locally or nationally. Um, and yeah, I think it's genuinely an exciting time. Thanks. Thanks, Craig. One of the things that um, I thought was really brilliant, the second roadshow in Leeds, as a result of that, people in Leeds got together and set up Leeds' uh, first ever young persons meeting. And uh, we had people at Cardiff who were part of that group that set up uh, the Leeds Young Persons Meeting saying that it's gone from strength to strength. Uh, I think they said that, you know, they've, they've run out of chairs in the place that uh, they initially had and had to get more chairs. So uh, we hope that um, similar seeds have been sown in Cardiff. Um, we will hopefully find out the next time we do a roadshow and see if we can get people from Cardiff to talk about their success. So, yeah, these roadshows... From, from my opinion, are a great thing. Um, but it'd be interesting, Chloe and Alex, as people who attended on the day, um, what did you make of it? What were your key takeaways? 
Um, so I've only been YPLO for about six months now, and it's my first service position at an intergroup level. Um, so it was all a little bit new to me. I'd never done anything like this before. Um, I think for me, it's, I think, well, Craig used this word, inspiring. That's because I genuinely really care about this, this cause. Um, you know, no one's getting paid to be there. Nobody's being told they have to be there. People genuinely want to get together, share ideas and, and you know, meet each other. And also everyone's just really lovely. Everyone's really nice, um, which always helps. <laughs> yeah, that's great. What about yourself, Alex? What benefits did you feel from going? And would you recommend other young people try and get to the next one? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think when I first got sober, I thought that I was like... Um, a unicorn and like no one had ever attempted to get sober at a young age and like to to see how many how like wrong that is and like the more young people that I meet in recovery I'm like oh I'm not alone in this and um and yeah me, me personally and I've been in my role longer than I necessarily should like that the parameters like say that I should be but it's more that um I haven't really been able to kind of um cheerlead someone into it um but it really like rejuvenated me in terms of like the potential that there still is and in terms of the role and like what I can give to it as well um and yeah I I I really think that people should come to the next one because um it's like you learn about the importance of service but also like this fellowship is yours and you can have like as much to do with it as you want and um and yeah I just think that's really beautiful it's like um we'd love to meet you and we'd love to have you and um and yeah it's their fellowship they can do what they want with it you know and there's so much potential in that which I think is cool I love that idea that it's it's all ours and it's ours Mm. to nurture and if you want to get involved as much as you can there's loads that you can do and and give I, I like to think these roadshows give people the space to to learn how they can do more so that's really great to hear that you both have had good experiences um so yeah thanks for talking about Cardiff there will be uh details of a new roadshow uh coming out in the not too distant future so if that sounds good to you uh yeah keep your eyes and ears peeled and we'll be releasing more as dates and locations have been confirmed um, but at this point, um, we're going to hand over to Chloe, who for the next 15 minutes or so is going to share her experience, strength and hope in the form of a main chair. So for those listening that might not have ever been to a meeting before, this is an example of what you might hear at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. So if you listen and you identify with part of Chloe's story, it might be worth you considering going to a meeting. Um, details if you're nearest one can be found either by visiting the AA website uh, or if you prefer, you can call the helpline and we'll provide details of how you can do both of those in the show notes for this. Um, but yeah, I'll hand over to, to Chloe uh, now. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm just going to set a little time on my watch because when I start talking about this, I can ramble on for quite some time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, thanks so much for having me. It's it's um, It's a real privilege to be able to do this. I think I'd like to start with what's going to sound like a really controversial statement, um, but I think it really sums up for me kind of where my problems with drink really began. And that is that 
drink was not necessarily my problem. My problem was is that I could not cope with life on life's terms. I couldn't cope with the reality of, of, of living and dealing with whatever it is that we all have to deal with. Um, and drink was the most convenient way for me to escape any problem I ever I ever had to face. Um, it started off as, as a way to deal with big issues. And then by the end, you know, stand in a puddle, oh, day's ruined, going to go and get really drunk. Um, and the more and more I drank, the less and less it worked as a solution. And yet I still kept chasing it. I still kept hoping that it would work and it would, it would solve me. And it only really ever broke me. Um, so to go back, um, uh, my first time country is quite late. I feel like a lot of people <laughs> essentially start drinking much earlier than that. Um, and my whole life, I've always um, really worried about what people thought about me. I was really frightened of getting in trouble. I was really afraid that people would bully me and pick on me. And I had, I had various issues at school. And there was a constant voice in my head, you know, they're laughing at you, they're thinking about you, they're, you know, all this stuff. And I remember the first time I ever got drunk, that voice went away. And it was the first time that had ever happened. And I just thought, oh my God, if people, if this, if this is what makes that voice go away, why is everybody not drunk all the time? Uh, this is the only way I can conceive this, you know, um, and it, as I sort of continued um, in my late teens, um, as I say, it was the only time that I ever felt comfortable. Um, I'm very extroverted. I'm very loud as a person. Um, and then I'd always leave situations thinking, oh, my God, I've said something stupid or I've done something stupid. Um, but when I was drinking, that was not a problem. So I moved to Brighton for four years to, to go to university. Um, and I believe that university is a nice playground. Um, you know, I think it's it's where we can really blend in. And, you know, back at this time, I didn't believe I had an issue. I just thought I was a party person. Um, it did bewilder me somewhat that I was usually the, the first one to start drinking and the last one to finish. It did confuse me when I could see people going out between lectures and having one beer and then carrying back on with university work. Because for me... The, uh, the ultimate issue is, is that when I have one drink, that's the end of the game then. All bets are off, um, you know, and I think that is what sets an alcoholic apart from other people. That's just my kind of feelings on it. Um, you know, I see people who are able to enjoy just having one drink. And for a long time, I was very obsessed that one day I'd be able to do that. Um, needless to say, I never managed it. And the more and more I drank with the ultimate goal of just getting my anxiety to go away, getting my, my fear of judgment, fear of, of gossip about me to, to go away. The worst things got for me. Um, you know, I, I gradually drank so heavily in, in Brighton um, that everything just started to collapse. I was getting really severe panic attacks um, really, really debilitating anxiety the day after drinking. And, you know, you go on Instagram, there's always memes about beer fear and you just continue to tell yourself that this is normal and this is okay. And I did every single thing I could to convince myself that I was just a party person, you know, there was nothing wrong with what I was doing. I justified it by any means necessary. Um, the other compounding factor is that I'm a musician and if there's any chance that you want to get away with drinking a great, great quantity of alcohol and still be kind of getting away with it, it's by doing uh, music. <laughs> um, 
so again I was just I was living this lie where I was going out and I was telling myself that I was all right and things were okay and behind closed doors things were collapsing and people knew me as the party person they knew me as the fun outgoing loud drinker what they didn't see was at the end end of the night when everyone else would go home I would go back to my flat or my house wherever I was living at the time and continue drinking by myself until the point of complete blackout because I just could not deal with the reality of my life um and the more it kind of spiraled out of control the more I needed alcohol as that crutch it was like a vicious circle you know alcohol was ruining my life so in order to cope with the fact that my life was being ruined I needed to drink more and I moved up to Manchester, uh, which I now believe was geographical, uh, which is what we call it when uh, you move away, you move somewhere thinking that hoping that you will leave your problems where where they were and you can move away without them. Um, and uh, I didn't really realise that's what I was doing at the time. Um, but looking back, I think that's definitely what it was. And I moved up to Manchester with my ex-partner and things just continued to spiral out of control. Um, I didn't lose my job and I didn't drink every day and I didn't drink in the mornings. Um, but my life was completely falling apart. Um, the panic attacks were getting debilitating. People were starting to make comments, um, usually kind and concerned comments um, to which I would instantly tell them to, to leave me alone. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to address it. I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. You're making things up. I'm just a party person. Haven't you heard? Um, and this sort of continued for a few painful years until the summer of 2021, when things um, really reached a breaking point. Um, my life was kind of going wrong in many, many, many ways, um, not just the drinking, but lots of things were really falling to pieces at that time. Um, and one night I went out and I had my phone stolen, my debit card stolen, I had a thousand pounds lifted out of my bank account and I gave myself an injury to which I've still got a scar on my knee now. I had no idea what happened and that really should have been a real a real um wake-up call and it was um I managed to get sober for nine days and immensely proud of myself I decided to celebrate by getting absolutely blackout wasted and it was alarming me at this point that as I, I was 26 at the time and as I was reaching my mid-20s a lot of my friends were starting to slow down with their drinking even my big you know my my old faithful party people they were all starting to slow down and cut back and focus on work and their family and their, their, you know, saving up for a house or whatever it might be. But I just couldn't. And I didn't know why. And I found that I was drinking like almost against my will. I didn't know what was going on. Um, and it was starting to really frighten me. And uh, as you might have picked up from this main share, I do not do any negative emotions. I drink them. Um, so <laughs> that continued uh, throughout that summer until um, I went up to Edinburgh in the October of 2021 with my ex-boyfriend. And I woke up in a hotel in Edinburgh after a night out. Wasn't my biggest night out. Wasn't my biggest bender. Wasn't my worst. Wasn't my worst hangover. But I woke up and I just thought, this cannot be my life. This cannot be who I am. I just, I can't live in this cycle anymore. I feel trapped. Um, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I can't seem to control it like everybody else seems to. Um, but I'm sick of it. I can't do it anymore. So I stopped drinking. Uh, that was my last drink. And um, thank goodness I have not had a drink since that day. Um, 
And I, I white knuckled it uh, for five weeks, just sort of counting the days, you know, really holding, holding on as much as I could um, because I didn't want to go to AA because AA is for weird old park bench drinkers that I didn't want to associate with. I thought I was better than that. I didn't think that I could relate to anybody in AA. I was a 26 year old woman and I just thought it's not for me. I, you know, I'm bad enough that my life is wrecked, <laughs> but I'm not bad enough to warrant getting the actual help from people who can help me. And at the time, my, my best friend who I drank heavily with, she was sober and she was doing it with AA. And she kept saying to me, oh, you should come, you should come to a meeting, you should try it. And I just thought, no, I, it sounds vile, actually, I don't want to. Um, and eventually uh, she managed to convince me to go along with her. And, and I, I sat in that room and I looked around at this room and I saw people who were, who were my age, who looked like me, who sounded like me, who talked the way that I talked, who addressed their problems and you know the, the things they were saying I was like oh my god you you could be quoting my thought processes but they seemed calm they seemed happy and they didn't seem to have this plague of like oh my god everybody hates me everything's going to be awful everything's terrible they didn't have that and I just knew that I needed to be in that room and I started crying and I don't think I stopped crying for about two weeks <laughs> Um, but I, I did what I was told. I kept coming back. I got support. I got fellowship. I got friendship. I worked the steps with a sponsor. Um, I'm now working the se steps for a second time. Um, and my life today is just a complete, a completely different picture. And I no longer have that voice in my head that tells me that I'm not good enough and that people are laughing at me and people are talking about me. You know, I get occasional anxiety, but I haven't had a panic attack this year. I used to get them like four times a week. Um, I really genuinely believe that when I stopped drinking that my life was over because um, how on earth are you supposed to function as a human being if you can't numb out all of the horrible stuff with drink? But what I didn't realise, I was also numbing out all the really good stuff too. And now I get to feel everything. And that is such a privilege. It's such a joy. I'm so... I'm so happy to, to be given this gift. Um, and I hear a lot of people like say that they got their lives back when they got sober. And I, I don't think I did get my life back because I think I never really built a life in the first place to get back. You know, I started drinking at like, what, 16. I got sober at 26. I had, didn't have anything. Everything I had, I'd lost, which wasn't much to begin with because I didn't have a, a husband or a house or whatever. Um, but now I just, it's its so difficult to explain because I think it impacts every single area of my life. I mentioned earlier that I've started roller skating and that's a really daft example, but I just was like, I'd really like to do that and it seems fun. And I don't have any friends that I, that want to go. I just want to go and do it and I'm going to go and do it on my own. And it sounds so silly, but like the thought of doing that when I was drinking, I mean, I wasn't interested in doing anything that didn't involve drinking, <laughs> um, you know, and that I can actually do that now is such a joy. I mean, I go wild swimming with a group of people from AA. I, you know, we have games nights and I've got like friends that saw me when I was drinking and they see me now and they just say that the, the difference is, is insane. Um, and I've also... Um, I'm, I'm still doing music. I'm learning how to do music without drinking. Um, I've written a record all about this experience, um, which is going to be released in, in the autumn, uh, which I'm really excited to share. And it's just like, I thought that having to get sober was basically a death sentence. 
um, especially at the age of 26. Um, and it's just the best thing that's ever happened. I just, I feel like I'm just rambling on and saying the same thing over and over again. So I wrap it up because I can't think of a way to articulate the joy that it is to live in an honest and authentic and a sober way to know every conversation I've had to make mistakes but to make them with integrity to know okay that was wrong and I said something wrong that's hurt somebody but I didn't do it intentionally I didn't do it because I was in a blackout I didn't do it because I was trying to manipulate someone into getting my own way you know it's just a really joyous existence and I will never be able to thank AA enough for everything that it's given me um but I would very, very much like to spend the rest of my life trying to, if that's okay. So I will leave it there. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Chloe. That was wonderful. Um, and yeah, the joy and the happiness and the benefits that you've had from um, being sober, like really shone through. So that's amazing what it's all about. Uh, and I related to so much of that, especially when you were saying how, you know, your first drink, that internal voice that you had that doubted yourself and always questioned what you said and thinking that everyone disliked you when you drank that went away and like what a mm. feeling that was like that monkey that you had on your back all your life <laughs> went like who wouldn't want that again and again and again and also like when you're saying towards the end when you know people who didn't have um alcoholism were able to start going actually I'm going to cut back I just remember being absolutely baffled thinking how can you cut back I don't even know <laughs> I don't want to, but if I did, how? I don't, I don't get it. So, yeah, that, that was really, really wonderful. Thank you. Um, but now uh, we're going to turn to the bit that everyone's been waiting for, dating <laughs> in recovery. So uh, I'm going to just, like, throw a question out there to the group. Uh, who has tried dating in recovery? How has it gone? Is it different from pre-recovery dating? Uh, Alex, do you, do, you, do you want to kick us off, maybe? Yeah, definitely. I'd love to. Um, yeah, it uh, it's definitely different to pre-recovery dating. Um, I feel like I was always really scared, scared to date before I got sober. Um, and I think it was maybe because um, I didn't know who I was. Um, and also sometimes it would be a bit like I didn't know what version of Alex that this person wanted me to be um and so that that made it quite hard but to be fair I was always um I was a bit too much of a mess to date to be honest before I got sober um and then post sobriety dating I kind of um I waited quite a while um and then I finally I I uh, <laughs> I got into a relationship um and then we broke up we'd only been together for like six months but we broke up like the day before I turned six years sober and it was like it was just like I was like oh this is recovery like highs lows um but it was kind of really amazing that like when it happened my immediate thought because I also don't do well with emotions um my immediate thought was to ring my sponsor um, and that can still really baffle me that like psychic change um, between the immediate thought not being to take a drink when I get sad news or whatever um, and so the fact that I ran my sponsor and then 
that weekend was the Cardiff Road show. And it was like, I just knew driving down that I was in exactly the right place that I was meant to be. And like, um, recovery has given me that. Like I made, I made people my higher power and um, I made people, you know, the whole like core of my of my being even without being in a relationship before I got sober so to be able to kind of feel still feel whole and like that I'm gonna be okay was kind of um yeah like a really beautiful experience for me and a teachable moment we love those as well yeah <laughs> yeah brilliant and, and Craig what about yourself have you had any experiences yeah um so when i was drinking um i either couldn't remember the date or if i did remember i would often say or do something that i regretted so um it would often be an embarrassing experience to be honest um so uh yeah i didn't have lots of dates when i was drinking i was just more interested in drinking i think but um in sobriety um yes i've had lots of um dates over the years um uh, and in more recent times i've tried speed dating which um was a completely different uh kettle of fish it was quite cool um you there's about 20 or so people you get four minutes each um so it's about 10 dates in one night um which was uh, <laughs> which was very interesting um and you get uh you get like individual scorecards on the evening so if you make the grade if you're you know lucky enough to make the grade uh you can you can get matched with people and and then you exchange details but yeah it was great fun i mean um even if you didn't necessarily get matched with uh, the person you wanted to at the very least it was a it was a it was a good night out and um i think i had a couple two or three second dates uh as a result on the back of that um which was great and yeah i think just dating in general it's you know for me i withdrew from society and drinking and dating is just one of the many different tools of sort of plugging back into society and um yeah and it's also an opportunity to practice the principles of uh, the program so yeah yeah brilliant and uh that sounds nerve-wracking but fun at the same time speed dating hats off to you for that um chloe what about yourself um yeah so craig you just said that when when you were drinking like that you know you withdrew from from society and, and didn't date that much when you were drinking I dated loads when I was drinking because it was like an opportunity for me to get drunk <laughs> um you know if I could go to bars with someone that I didn't know that well um and I mean as far as they were concerned it was a, it was a once every now and again thing but I was going out and drinking all the time <laughs> um but yeah very much like what you said you know if, if I remembered it then I wish I hadn't and if I didn't then I'd be filled with like oh my god what on earth have I said and done um and, and sober dating is such a joy because I can present my authentic and honest self. Um, I don't feel the need to um, put on a different persona or um, be manipulative or, or whatever. Um, you know, I, I can just be me. Um, and I think, you know, being able to meet people with vastly different experiences from mine and being able to actually engage in conversation, <laughs> um, you know, it's exciting and it's fun. And I really, I really enjoy it. I mean, when I got sober, I was I was in a relationship and I ended that um about six months ago. Um so I didn't do the the recommended sort of 
12 months without dating because I was already in a relationship when I when I found AA um but that was just my experience so now yeah for the first time ever I'm kind of <laughs> trying dating sober and it's uh it's fun I like it <laughs> yeah what what do people think about obviously you know quote unquote normal people have a few drinks to uh you know quieten the nerves before they go on a date uh, we don't have that luxury what what do people feel about actually going out on a date with 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 no alcohol whatsoever what's that what's that experience been like does it get easier Alex what are your thoughts um I think the longer you are the more like life is easier just to kind of be used to navigating life as a sober person so I think a lot of the other stuff kind of comes with it um but yeah it can still be nerve-wracking definitely um I found though like I usually with my kind of little bit of dating history that I've been I've been quite honest actually about the fact that I don't drink um going into the date it did mean that one one guy just never replied to me again which was cool um sure he's a great guy um but it's it's one of those things that like actually going into it I don't know I feel like something has adjusted in the in the past few years of my recovery in terms of my self-esteem and I'm like I don't think I'm the best person in the world but I feel like now that I am in a place where I'm like they should be so lucky that they get to spend time with me do you know what I mean like I really like which is amazing because I didn't have an ounce of that when I got sober so to be able to be like yeah to be able like Chloe said to be my to show up my authentic self and be like this is it you either get to like join the table or you can pass like that is fine like I'm I'm chill about that now which is cool um, yeah yeah I, I agree I, I I'm at a point where no longer needing alcohol as a crux feels like a superpower and in my job I have to go to like quite a lot of events and there's like people drinking when I was newly sober I used to find that like really difficult but then after like quite a short space of time like talking about a year I just felt comfortable in those environments I didn't even think about the fact that I needed or wanted a drink like I didn't need or want to drink but I could see other people who didn't even have drink problems like oh I need a drink and I just remember thinking I'm so glad that I can just stand here as me and I don't need to have anything to aid me just to talk to another person even if they are strangers so I, I love that and um in my early sobriety I, I was dating and I found that I was able to present a much better version of myself and uh, even like dates that maybe didn't work out even if they were ones that like you'd hope that they did work out but they didn't um I left with like my head held high I hadn't said anything or hurt anyone or been rejected and as a result of that I had to go on a big bender because someone had rejected me and it was all drama drama it was just okay that's not worked out that's a shame and you deal with it and process it and, and move on which was skills I didn't have it was like oh if I've had rejection or if I want anything then I have to self-sabotage my life because this person hasn't found me romantically interesting and once you're out with that loop it's like that's a crazy uh, concept but I I didn't um I didn't date in AA for all that long because after 
uh, after the thing four months of being sober, um, I set up an open mic night, which is me like reconnecting with hobbies that I'd lost touch with. Um, I'd stopped playing guitar because I'd had a few embarrassing incidents um, on stage where I couldn't remember lyrics and I just stopped. But I got back into doing that when I was sober and um, my now wife ended up coming to one of those nights. Um, she was in AA. I'd seen around AA, but we hadn't really spoke. But then she ended up at this night and uh, we got talking. And yeah, we've, we've been together for over four and a half years now. Um, and we, yeah, as I said at the start, I got, got a baby girl, got another girl on the way. So you know, dating and in recovery has been amazing, and it's uh, for me, it's led to like the most fruitful relationship I'll ever have, hopefully. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of it, but I feel like uh, I kind of got out early as well. So um, yeah, but that brings me on to something that I wanted to speak to people about. I clearly ignored the "don't date for the tw- first twelve months" suggestion. Um, I actually found that incredibly difficult to stick to. Um, I think, to be honest with you, I was still new around and probably trying to fix some things that weren't alcohol, if, if I'm completely honest. Um, it didn't lead me to a bad place, but I also can completely identify why they do suggest that you don't drink in 12 months. Like, I was lucky, I suppose. Um, but I wonder what other people's thoughts on on that suggestion are. Did you stick to it? Did you not? What would you say to other people who are new around? Chloe, do you want to start? Oh, this is an area that I'm not going to be very helpful with because I sort of circumvented that whole issue (laughs) because I was in a relationship when I joined AA and I stayed in that relationship um, until I was like... uh, um, 15 14 15 months sober and um, so I kind of circumvented that whole that whole thing <laughs> um, but I think I think overall it's probably a good idea I think when I was so lucky to have such an incredibly supportive ex-boyfriend and he was absolutely brilliant and um, you know to this day I have a lot of respect for that man <laughs> um, you know but my personality changed so much you know who I am as a person completely 180 within within the year and I'm sure that's still ongoing (laughs) um but I think had I been trying to meet people at that time you know new people at that time I think it would have been a real uh a really difficult thing to do because I was still working out who I was um you know and trying to come to terms with with steps and God and you know service and all the other things that ultimately saved my life um you know trying to meet people along the same like time frame as also doing an incredible amount of work on yourself um I think I'd have just found it really hard so I mean I'm never going to judge anybody if, if you meet the love of your life you know absolutely go for it you know even if they're not the love of your life you know it's fine it's not for anyone else to judge or to say um and it's just a suggestion it's not a rule but I think yeah I think it's probably best to take some time for yourself when you first get in sober because it's definitely a roller coaster. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can identify why, why people suggest not to. I remember I was at one meeting where there was an elderly gentleman who came up to me afterwards because someone had been saying about don't date in your 12 months, first 12 months. And he said, listen, son, don't let anyone tell you who you can and can't fall in love with, not even AA. And I think like he, I heard him say that early on and I thought, yeah, I kind of see where he's coming from with that. But at the same time, I've also seen people who have come in, knew around, 
been dating and all of a sudden like they couldn't handle the emotions uh the, the relationship might have not gone how they wanted or they've become distracted by this relationship and AA has fallen off uh, their list of priorities so as I say like I didn't do it but I can understand by its advice when I'm sponsoring people I always say it's not suggested that you that you get in the relationship it's suggested for a good reason but personally I couldn't stick to that so I'm not gonna say anything if you if you do but I just you know giving due diligence to let you know um but yeah what what about you Alex what are your thoughts um I I I probably would say that yeah like not dating in your first year is a good call just because I didn't know myself at all um and so and 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 I, I like I really believe you know RuPaul says if you can't love yourself how the hell are you gonna love somebody else and I really believe that like I feel like um it's only really in the past couple of years of my recovery have I found that love for myself um and I don't know if I'd have been able to love someone in that way earlier on and like I said before as well I might have made them my higher power um and and also obviously so glad that it it worked out for you Michael and you've got you know one little girl and another one on the way and stuff but obviously that relationship like you're married now like that turned out great um but if it didn't like I'm like hopefully would have stayed sober but it's hard to know that and like I think a breakup is quite um well bear in mind so obviously like I only broke up with um my ex-partner like what like a month or two ago and so it's still fairly fresh and I just think like it was painful enough and I've got like six years under my belt of like staying away from a drink a day at a time and so I just think for me personally I just think it's a good suggestion I find it so interesting though that you and your partner are both in recovery because it's like my sponsor is married to someone else who's in AA and I I think sometimes I can like romanticize that I'm like oh my god like if I date someone in AA we both get it and we're both doing the thing but then sometimes she's like well no because we kind of are both trying to work a program and um that's hard but I do I always do find that interesting as well it, it's uh it's good and bad I'll tell you that <laughs> um I remember when I was new around someone said to me um dating someone in AA the odds are good but the goods are odd and uh and the longer I'm married the more I think yeah he's right uh and I think it don't get me wrong it's amazing being with like my wife and sharing recovery together like when it's good it's beautiful it really is like going to meetings together and you know we've got the same home group and uh, we even like you know when our daughter was a newborn and she was just sleeping all the time she came to our meeting and everyone at the meeting had like had a whip round for us and there was like 100 pounds in the cards which is like you know it was so touching it was it just made us feel like so grateful that if it wasn't for AA we wouldn't have this beautiful baby girl so there's like so much that's amazing and you know if you get into arguments or if there's something going on in your life that there's like a family issue you've got someone else who can you know remind you the principles of the program and to start applying those which is good but it's also really bad like this phrase when this gets said you need a meeting 
<laughs> which just gets said from time to time or oh, nothing drives you more insane but also like it's not so much a problem anymore but when we were both new around like if if my head fell off which it did quite a lot in early recovery that could quite often mean that her head would fall off and we both be there like spinning out of control not drinking but just like the ism and like setting each other off and an argument that should have been over in like you know minutes could spiral on for like weeks because we're both in this thing but I think like what what's been really good is like as we've both got better at being sober and calmer and more serenity um the relationship has got better and better and better but there's definitely been points in there where you know it was really difficult uh, and we had to work through it but you know, maybe that's not a, a thing that's confined to relationships between alcoholics as well. And maybe it wouldn't have been easy for us to get through some of those things if we weren't trying to work a program. And like you might, as someone said, like you say the wrong thing and you know that you've hurt someone, but then you've got this annoying program telling you to pray for that person and go and apologize. And sometimes it's the last thing you want to do, but, you know, you're trying to live by the principles and invariably doing that leads you to a better place so yeah it's 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 good and bad but I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way um and like we'll we'll round up uh, on this last question but um I'd be interested to know what tips would you give for anyone who's considering dating in recovery who hasn't already um Craig what what about yourself any any suggestions there yeah I think my first sponsor gave me a good suggestion just make sure you're on solid ground with your program you know maybe um make make some of your amends before you go dating that was um a good one um and remember you can leave at any time as well so you you know you don't have to stay for the entire evening you know maybe a little exit plan um and uh yeah try and enjoy yourself you know um try and think of what you can bring to the situation rather than maybe what you can take from it um yeah that's such good advice that's brilliant advice chloe what about yourself um i think for me it's about having some boundaries um i wasn't familiar with the concepts of boundaries before i got sober um turns out they're really good um and i quite like having them <laughs> i really don't mind people drinking in my presence but i don't want to spend the evening with a drunk person um and the other thing as well is like, so I'm on the apps, right? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a necessary evil. Um, so I'm on the apps and I'm, I'm, in my bio is always like, I make some little comment about the fact that I don't drink. And usually I, I, I say it in a little jokey way, my current favorite way is saying, um, I don't drink or do drugs. I went pro too young and had a career ending injury. Um, so it's kind of, it's lighthearted, but it lets people know where I'm at. You know, um, I don't want to go and get hammered with you all night. It's it's not something that you're ever going to get from me. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, honesty is always the best policy. Um, you know, I've never like said, oh, I'm just having a break from drinking. Like I'm always very like upfront, like I'm in recovery. I don't drink, I can't drink. Um, and I find that's a really good way of weeding out people that I don't want to spend time with anyway, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, it's a scary thing to put yourself on the line like that. But it's a really good foundation um if you're if you're meeting somebody new um and and whatever things like that yeah that's again some great stuff there and i really like that um, bio just letting people know where you're at off the bat 
And Alex, what about yourself? Um, I would say, like, apart from obviously what I've said about, you know, 12 months or whatever, I would say, like, that there's no, like, hard and fast rules for it in terms of, like, so I've asked, I've asked, um, I've asked, like, two people out in person, which is so unheard of in our generation. Um, and that, that made me feel like a rock star, to be honest. And only 50% of that, so out of two times, only 50% of it went well. But, like, I, I still was really proud of myself. I would never have done that or I would have, like, yeah, pushed, pushed too far or, or whatever and just been a bit of a div. Um, but, yeah, so I think it's just being true to yourself as well and going slow and just communicating with your sponsor and different feelings that come up with it. And, yeah, I just think, think transparency and honesty is always a great way to start any kind of foundation or relationship with another person. So um, that's a... That's the way to do it. Um, and yeah, just, just keep an eye on your motives as well, I think. And um, and yeah, and talk to your friends about it. Like talk to your fellows, other young people that are in recovery. They're also doing it and they're also finding it really hard or, you know, like why haven't they texted me back? Like, you know, we all get it. It's just more extreme sometimes when you have, an alcoholic head um so yeah reach out um share with other people not necessarily over the table but like yeah yeah some great stuff there and a good reminder that you know problems with dating aren't specific to alcoholics like we all have them and to try and keep that in mind and a bit of perspective it's hard whether you're an alcoholic or not um, but on there, it's been a really great discussion. I've really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed hearing about Cardiff and also Chloe, your main share, got a lot of identification. So on that, all it leaves me to do is to thank Craig, Alex, Chloe. Uh, you've all been wonderful guests and it's been a great chat. Um, and yeah, thanks a lot, everyone. And we hope you enjoyed listening and keep your ears peeled for new information about the Roadshow. And hopefully we'll, keep, we'll catch you with the next episode too. Bye.